Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. All right, we are back in the Wyoming studio, and I have Jeff Free sitting right here with me. Hey. Thanks for coming back. Good to be here. <laughs> I'll be here all month. Yes. Um, are you ready for this topic today? Let's do it. Okay. So somebody wrote in on our DMs, and this woman thanked me for the depression episode, thanked me and Jill for the depression episode. And she said one of the things that she still finds that she still struggles with is she finds herself getting down about the world, the environment, overpopulation, brutal treatment of kids, animals, and just humans in general. I feel guilty when I'm happy because it seems like I'm not acknowledging or ignoring all of the bad stuff. I would love a podcast about how to stay positive and turn all the negative energy around us into something good. And I loved this topic because I feel like it's super relatable. Mm -hmm. And um, I really kind of think that the news and the world out there is designed to make us constantly on edge and constantly fearful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then even on a personal note, you know, if something good happens to us, sometimes we feel bad for sharing it or like going on social media and talking about it. So I actually did a post a couple days ago and you guys will be able to, whenever this comes out, you'll be able to scroll back. But I asked people to kind of chime in on it. So we'll go through some of that, but you want to start with some thoughts on it? Yeah, it, it is pretty crazy when you see all of the crazy that's happening in the world and how bombarded we are by everything. And how do we know what things we should feel for, right? Mm -hmm. Like when when we've been through a bad situation, for instance, I think of my own divorce and I had a good friend of mine who was actually going through a divorce at the exact same time. Right. And he would check in with me, dude, how are things going? Are you feeling just as bad as me? And then I remember he started calling me about the time you and I started dating. I was like, dude, I feel amazing. Like, I've never felt better. I'm losing weight. Like, my headspace is better than it's ever been. And he's like, oh, well, that's not the case for me anymore. Mm. And, I, and I had to think to myself, like, should I feel bad that he's in a situation? Like, I can't pull him up out of that. Yeah. But I just kind of had to be in the space I was in and... uh learn to appreciate where I was and understand everybody's at a different place in their life. So, yeah, it's such a good example. Like when you're going, when you're, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it feels like we've been going through a hard time for so long. And then when we finally are going through something good, it, and you still have friends who are going through a rough time, you almost feel bad, feel bad mm -hmm. talking about it. And in my case, when someone else is going through something good, I like to hear about it because it gives me hope. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm like, oh, thank God, things are going to turn around for me maybe eventually. But I have been in places where I feel bitter and angry and jealous and feel like it's unfair. Like, why are things turning around for them when life still sucks for me? Right. So I think just for part of being human, I think we've all been on all of the sides. It's really interesting when I was going through the comments, there was a lot of comments to the effect of like, here's one just verbatim. She said, um, celebrate your success just because your light is shining bright doesn't diminish another's, which I think sounds really great and good on paper. Yeah, it's really but cute and cliche. Yes. Yes, and I think we all want to believe that. And 
sometimes I do believe we, we do believe it, that shining our light doesn't diminish another's. However, like in the case of your friend who was going through a hard time when you were going through a hard time and suddenly you're doing well, I remember when you got off the phone with him, you were like, I feel kind of bad because I'm doing well and he's not doing great still. And I was like, well, and I said, I remember we say to you, like, maybe that will give him hope that there's some chance that he's going to get better. And I remember feeling that way, looking at Jill, she was about a year ahead of me out of her marriage. And I remember thinking, okay, she's doing well now, like some point that I'll feel better. But I know that there's been times where I've seen other people's successes and it made me bitter. It made me angry. Like, this isn't fair. They seem to get everything that you know, life hands them all the easy things and I get all the hard things. And I think we can easily go there and feel pity. And that's on like personal stuff. And then there's like the big stuff, right? There's the violence that we see in the news. And, and it's interesting because there were some shootings recently. There were two shootings back to back a couple of weeks ago. And I've seen, and we were um, at a church service and the pastor was saying, we don't want to become numb to these because it's, it's happening pretty much on a daily basis, right? So when Columbine mm-hmm. happened, the world was like, shook. Mm -hmm. We were all just going, holy cow, how can this happen in a high school? And how can two kids get so upset and angry that they want to shoot their school up? And everyone was like coming together and now it's happening so often. I don't think that we blink an eye as much. And I don't want to say it that way or like a callous way, but we're like, oh, it's another shooting. And Mm -hmm. it's not to say it's another shooting. Like we still have our, like our hearts ripped open, but we, I think we are becoming more numb to some of it. Or on the other side, we're just feeling bad all the time. Mm. And we feel bad if we are having a good day or if we're just like, hey, things are going well. And then someone else is like, well, there was another shooting today. And so you're going, am I not allowed to feel good? You know, and it's like, when can I? Because there's always, there always seems to be something. Yeah, it seems like we are constantly emotionally overwhelmed, especially if we were to, to try to be emotionally involved in all of the bad things that are happening in the world and around us. It's hard to know what we should emotionally invest our hearts, lives, and thoughts into. Yeah. There was one comment someone made on the post which said, right after September 11th, they went to a Chinese restaurant and she was her normal happy self and he asked, how could she be so happy after so much devastation? And she said, the world doesn't need your sorrow right now and needs your happiness. Mm. And I thought that was a powerful statement to make, especially on September 11th. It's I mean, true. all of us have our stories from that day and how we felt. And I don't know if I could have handled that perception, but I definitely, that would have made me stop and think of, you know, being sad, living on the West Coast, not knowing a single person in the towers or anything, having empathy for, and my heart's going out and just not even knowing, you know, all of the the emotions coming Mm -hmm. up from that day. But then at the same time, not being directly, uh, what affected by it, Mm -hmm. you know, by knowing anybody makes you go is being sad, helping anyone. Should I be, you know, like what should, how should you react? And, And is there utility in, I've noticed these kind of things where people post like thoughts and prayers and, uh, and people now like retaliating against that statement of going, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. We want your action. And And so where, you know, what are we supposed to do now? Are we supposed to just not say thoughts and prayers? Are we not supposed to care? If we do care, we can only say it by doing something. I mean, it's just, it feels like we are almost required to have a certain level of caring about everything. And at the same time, we don't have the capacity to care about everything. Right. And so we're feeling guilty for not. And it's just this weird circle of like, how do you 
Yeah, how do you manage that? Yeah, how do you know? Well, you take the 9-11 example and you talked about not knowing, you know, you didn't know anybody who was directly involved with it, though you saw the news and you heard the stories and it did impact us all emotionally. Um, and it did impact us on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. It was an attack on our home country that most of us, you know, who are younger than 40 hadn't experienced before. And so it, it impacted our state of our, our mind, our security, all of that kind of stuff. It changed from that point on. And so, yes, that was a piece of news that impacted, impacted all of us individually. Sure. And so, yeah, we, we've, we've all tried to figure out how to navigate that. But I think when we think of the news, and like you mentioned before, the news kind of seems to be something where it's designed to trigger us mm -hmm. in one bent or another, right, left, whatever. Um, you know, we talk about our parents when we go to our, uh, either of our parents' house. The so first thing they do when they come home is click on the news, and it's just constantly going. We can see how that impacts their life. And for me, one of the things that I, I, I can't figure out what to do with is when the news is constantly bombarding you with information that isn't relevant to my life. You know, what does somebody's home burning down in the middle of, of Arizona have to do with me here in Cheyenne? Sure. It's, it's not happening. And I know there's this guy, Neil Postman, he wrote this book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he talks about the birth of news. He says, news back in the day was when John Smith's barn was burning down, people would run down the street saying, hey, John Smith's barn is burning down, come and help. And so people would gather their buckets and gather their water and go help put out the fire on that barn. And that was considered news because it was relevant to John Smith. It was relevant to the neighbors, that town, and people needed to know that information to rally around to help that specific situation. But do I need to know about John Smith's barn burning down in New York when I'm here in Wyoming? And so what's relevant to me today? And so we have these rings of responsibility. Uh, you know, you have yourself. What is relevant in your life? Um, what is relevant to your family's life, your neighbor's life, your city, your community, state, and beyond? And it's important for us because I believe we, we all have an emotional capacity. Yeah. You know, we only have so much of our emotion, our time, our resources to give to things. And... Yeah, what, what actually makes a significant impact? I like that you mentioned emotional capacity because I think that when we're going through very personal, personal traumas, personal big issues, you know, maybe someone just lost a job or lost a family member or just something big in your personal life, it's hard to care about, you know, an oil spill off the coast of the Gulf of Mexico when you're mother was just diagnosed with cancer and your child just broke, you know, his arm or something like that. And so there are these levels of just like, okay, you got to worry about yourself first. And, and there seems to be a pressure to feel outraged about everything. Right. And I've noticed this maybe just because I'm on social media a lot. I'm not, I don't watch television. So interestingly enough is I don't see it on TV, but I do see it on social media. Maybe it's just the people I choose to follow. And I understand that I can choose who I follow. Um, but I think there is a pressure to like have strong opinions about everything and right. then, and then be motivated to, to take action. Right. So especially just because this is relevant topic is these shootings. And I saw some comments about thoughts and prayers and people saying, don't write about thoughts and prayers, take action, call your Senator, call, do this, do this, like take some action. And it's going, okay, yes, take action. Of course 
those are things we can um, can do instead of just giving like meaningless words, although I don't think thoughts and prayers are meaningless words necessarily. But at what point do we do we take action when we have our own house falling apart? Right. You know, so I do believe that sometimes when things are going awry in your own life or there's a big illness or something like that, you really cannot take on the world's problems. And at what point should you or, or should you at all? Does everything have to be perfect? Do you have to have your shit together, so to speak, before you decide to take on a big uh, world issue? You know, like whose job is that? Or do we just pass that on to other people? Yeah. Well, you were talking about when, when Peanut died yeah. and there was a shooting going on. Yeah. So my dog, my dog died and, um, I was off, I was a wreck. If anybody's ever lost a pet, you know, it's so hard. And I was off uh, social media for a good four or five days. And when I came back, I found out there had been a shooting and I didn't know any details about it. I didn't know where it was. I didn't, I literally didn't know anything about it. I hadn't heard. I got on social media and I noticed a lot of my peers and people in my space were basically saying, if you're not talking about this, if you're not posting about this, you're being complicit. And I felt bad because I didn't know the details. And then I wasn't in the mental space or capacity to really be posting and talking about that because I just was struggling with my loss and what was going on there. And then I felt called out for not talking about something that I really didn't know anything about. And I didn't want to talk about something without any information. And so it was an interesting place for me to, so then I ended up staying off social media for like two weeks. I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to go on because I I felt like I was damned if I do, damned if I don't, like damned if I don't talk about it, damned if I do, because I was afraid of saying the wrong thing um, because I didn't have the information and I wasn't there or maybe just saying something too late because I was, you know, offline for a week. And so it's, it was something interesting where, you know, coming back to feeling guilty for not feeling bad. What if you don't know? Like sometimes I think we just don't know about things. I think for a lot of us, there are issues and things that come up that we just don't know and that aren't brought into our awareness. And once they are, we get to choose how much we want to interact with those things or not. And some things um, become more important. So when I was a teenager, I was I don't want to say I was ever really a big activist, but things that really triggered me, I was very much into the environment and um, I got really upset. I went on this outward bound trip for three months and it was the, the way we did things was called leave no trace. So we camped for three months. We were out in the wilderness and in the woods and in uh, mountain ranges and in canyons. And even going to the bathroom, we would dig a hole and then we would have to like wipe with rocks or leaves and then bury everything and then scatter everything around so it didn't look like anything had happened. Like leave no trace. We didn't have toilet paper. We didn't have anything. And so I come back to society and I have like this reverse culture shock of seeing like, why do we have so many plastic bags at the grocery store? And why are people buying a Ford excursions when we have like Priuses were kind of new at the time, but I'm like, we have the ability and the technology to have these hybrid vehicles. Why are we still making cars that emit so much crap into the ozone? And so I was just on this, this, like terror of just being so upset and like getting everything reusable and, and wanting to recycle everything and like save the planet. And I found myself getting angry all the time mm-hmm. at every single person. I would get road rage at seeing another H2 or a Hummer on the freeway. I mean, I was at this place where I was constantly on edge, constantly angry and just upset that not everyone saw what I saw. Yeah. And I don't think that's a healthy place to be. And I do f- think that when we find something 
that we are passionate about, passion can be good, but when it turns into this constant anger and constant judgment of others and constantly like, why isn't everyone seeing the world the way I see it, that can be a bit of a, a trap for your own happiness. So, yeah, it seems like based on, you know, the reason why you were passionate about those things is because of the information you had gathered Mm -hmm. and your own personal experience. And so those two things created your perspective. And it sounds like you were frustrated and angry why other people in the world didn't have that same perspective. Well, it's because they didn't have the same information you had or access to the same experience that you had to drive you there. And I think that's one of the things that causes a lot of the arguments and the debates and the anger that we see on social media today is people get so so they get so emotionally driven and charged in these conversations and yet you don't know the context or the perspective or the information that person has that shaped them to get them to that particular position because words themselves make up 7% of communication and you have to fully understand somebody's context to understand why they're in the position. Now, I remember when I'd get really passionate about something. I remember when I was a kid and did nine, was 9-11 an inside job and all these different conspiracies. I was really big into documentaries back in the day. And I was, I was emotionally charged about it. And I said, well, I wanted to make everybody sit down, watch this documentary so you can have all the information I have and then you can make what I thought would be the right decision about the information you had received. But I think today it's important for us to, to you know, to get access to the information. Now you can't get access to all of the information in the world. You can't sit down and watch every single news channel, read every single news article so that you can have access to it. It's absolutely impossible. There's a difference. I think there's apathy, which is like sticking your head in the sand as an ostrich, not wanting to be aware of what's happening in the world. And I think like the overwhelm and being bombarded causes a lot of people to want to do that. I know for me, like I just wanted to shut everything off. Like I had to get off Facebook and all these different things just to um, remove myself from the emotional charge that those things had done. And then there's sympathy, which is, okay, I see what you're going through. I don't necessarily know. I, I haven't been in your shoes, but I can, you know, resonate to some level. And then there's empathy. I think empathy is something really important for us to experience. I remember uh, learning about three different types of empathy that we go through. The first is the cognitive. Like cognitive is being able to just gather information, gather the data. It's like watching a TED talk and you're hearing the information, the statistics and all the research that was done on something and say, okay, now I can put myself in that person's shoes and be more empathetic. That's important for us to be cognitively empathetic with somebody. And the second is emotional empathy, where we can actually start feeling based on the information we have. It allows us to be able to resonate emotionally with where these people are. Because it's hard when somebody is sitting at the other end of the table or on the other side of the fence for us to feel what those people are feeling. Mm-hmm. It's super hard. Um, but I feel like it, it, it's a good place for us to be before we start getting in this overly emotional um, charged debate. And then the third is the compassionate or compassion empathy, which, you know, compassion is made up of two words, come and passion. Uh, Passion is to suffer, like literally you're willing to suffer with those other people. And, you know, there's different levels of empathy that we can have with people. Now you can't share that empathy with everything and everyone. And I think it's important for us to, to know and understand that empathy is, is, is real. It's important, but you have to first gather the information, learn the other perspective and process it yourself and then make a decision on what you are capable of of giving. I think the empathy thing is interesting because I feel that I'm very uh, empathetic. And I I feel that 
when I was younger, that was actually, that was what made it very difficult for me because I'd see something on the news. I remember when Columbine happened, I was a senior in high school and I felt so deeply and I just felt like I could put myself in so many uh, positions of what happened during that time. And I was, you know, I was just emotionally wrecked. And I think a lot of us were, and even just the 9-11 thing, I think a lot of us were just wrecked. And a lot of times we can be so empathetic that we, um, it almost paralyzes you mm-hmm. to where you are taking on everybody else's stuff so much that it actually feels like it's your own. Yep. And I think that it comes down to, and you mentioned this, we talked about it um, in the car, it was emo- emotional responsibility. Like who's, whose emotional responsibility is it? And actually I was reading a book, oh dang it, I meant to grab it, um, by Byron Katie. And she talks about whose business are you in? Are you in your own business or someone else's? And are we trying right. to manage their emotions or feelings? And when you're in someone else's business, meaning like if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a mother who just lost her child in one of these shootings, I am. there's something to be said about being able to try to put yourself in their shoes to, to empathize and to try to feel for her. But if you're putting yourself in that person's shoes and you're allowing that to take over your life or manage her like reaction or something, that's not yours to do. Right. That's her place to suffer. And so I think a lot of times we feel bad if we don't put ourselves in every single person's shoes. So then we're feeling bad all of the time and we feel guilty when we feel good because we're like, well, people out there are suffering I'm having a good day, but someone else just lost someone today. So I shouldn't right. feel good. Yep. And it turns into this, this place where we, we can't even, um, really celebrate what's in front of us because we feel bad because someone else is having a bad day. Right. And I, well, that's, that's interesting to me because I feel like, um, you know, feeling guilty for feeling good mm-hmm. is, is a, is a bit of a contradiction, but it, I feel like guilt itself comes from, you know, you feel guilty, number one, because you did something wrong mm. and you got whatever your good feeling by doing something the wrong way. The second is because you don't feel worthy of the good that you're feeling. And I feel like most of the time and, and what it sounds like that comment or discussion really refers to not feeling worthy of feeling good. And so you feel bad because somebody else feels bad because you don't feel like you deserve to feel good. And I feel like it's, so it's, it's one of the root causes of, of where that guilt comes from. And, um, yeah, it, it would be trying to discuss and figure out how can we then feel worthy of the good that's happening to us now. That's so good. I think that's exactly where the conversation needed to go is the worthiness. Um, it's interesting because I saw what was happening in the comments on this post as well was about when something good happens, we tend to justify so let's say I just got a promotion and I feel really good, but my friend just got laid off. Yep. So I want to be like, well, but I, I've been there for 10 years and I've done all these things. And so we got, you know, like you start to justify why you got it instead of just accepting that you got a promotion and things right. are happening well for you. Or, you know, maybe you just accidentally got pregnant and your sister-in-law has been trying for years and, and struggling with fertility. And so yep. you just try to diminish it. Like, well, you know, we didn't, you tried it. We didn't mean to. And it, like, oh, I'll probably just have a miscarriage anyway. Or so like we diminish things right. to try to make it look like not as great as it is and not celebrate it because we might not feel worthy of it. Or right. we feel like we have to justify the or good make things. make the other person feel better. Make them feel better. About 
us feeling better. Like, let's spread the good feeling around yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Let's, let's dish it out to the I, people. I have us. personally been something, somebody who does that. Um, you know, we just did the hundredth episode and we celebrated it. And, and Jill and I talked about that where like, I want to start celebrating small things. Cause I never used to allow myself to celebrate anything. I didn't go to my own high school graduation. I'm like, who cares? People graduate high school. No big deal. But looking back, it was a big deal. Cause I got pregnant in high school and I could have easily not graduated. Right. Um, I didn't, I didn't celebrate anything. I didn't celebrate any kind of wins. I got a job like, well, big deal. Of course I got the job. You know, I think maybe it came down to some childhood stuff. I was expected to get high grades. Like I never got praised for getting straight A's. I only got in trouble if I got an A minus or a B, but I never was praised for anything good. And so I felt like, um, if we got excited about stuff, it'd be bragging. So I would always try to diminish my successes. And so I think some of that can come to uh, some programming, but also back to the worthiness of if something good does happen, maybe it's just, I was lucky or um, you actually sent me an article from psychology today. And some people stated they were, um, I guess this was from people with bipolar depression, was it? or with some with depression people struggling with depression and this counselor was asking you know how they were doing and some people say I'm doing well but I'm worried about something dot 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 fill in the blank and she said why can't you just say that you're happy and the common response was that they were, had almost this superstitious fear that like if I'm happy and if I say it then something bad's going to happen or it's going to be taken away. The universe will take it away. Yeah. And I I think we've all been there where if things are going good, we're like, wait, things are going too good. Yeah, suspicious. The rug's going to be pulled out. Like something's going to happen. I better not enjoy this too much. I would even say that with our relationship early on. Yeah, I know for me, I mean, I, I have failed quite a bit in my life. You know, I failed school. I was horrible in school. Had ADHD, dyslexia, all of these things. Um, failed relationships, uh, failed marriage, failed businesses, so many failures that when something started to go wrong in our relationship, I said, well, that's just par for the course. And why not just sabotage it, move on? And I had to actually make the mental shift that no, I don't have to lose in order to feel good or expect it to happen. I could actually win if I continue to work towards winning this yeah and yeah it's put us and me in the best position mentally I've ever been in my entire life yeah I wonder if it just comes down to a choice of feeling worthy I I, I do think like guilt can be a choice feeling bad is a choice and watching a news channel and being able to shut it off and go to throughout your normal life it doesn't make you a monster but we do have to be discerning on what we choose to let affect us and affect our day. And, and so I actually stopped watching the news early on. Um, I want to say in my twenties, because I was, I was taking it so personally, I was making it so much about me. And honestly, it's probably a selfish thing. I was making it about me. I was making it ruin my day. I was, I was allowing it to, um, I, it made me, I was angry all the time. I was constantly on edge. I was constantly mad at the world. I was constantly mad at all the people, like, why aren't they seeing this? Why aren't they seeing what's going on? Um, there's so much abuse out there. And so I stopped. And so I think that people can accuse someone like me to go, well, you're just sticking your head down. You're avoiding it. And right. like, that's nice. You get to, and also that's privilege. You have privilege of not being able to watch. But I think there's a difference between being informed and aware and just sticking your head in the sand and acting like that stuff doesn't exist. Because I am very aware of 
the hurt and the suffering that goes on in the world. I'm very aware of the things that are happening around me, but I'm not choosing to focus on it. Yeah. You know, and I think it for myself, I've noticed a big shift in my own productivity, my own personal happiness, my own levels of anxiety and depression when I don't allow all that other stuff to come in. So yes, maybe I'm putting my head in the sand. I don't know if that's what you want to say or believe. I don't believe that. I, I have a, an awareness, but I also have an awareness of where I choose to put my money, to uh, where I vote, to what I choose to support, to, you know, if I'm worried about the environment, then I am worried about picking up my own trash. Right. I'm worried about recycling my stuff. I'm not going to start going out there and just like freaking out at everyone in the uh, parking lot when I see some litter. And sure, if I see it and I see it happen in front of me, I can make a comment like, hey, would you mind picking that up? I don't know why you threw it on the ground. But I don't, um, I'm not going to be <laughs> a crazy person. Sure. <laughs> um, because I just know that I can't change the world unless I start with myself. And I yeah. think ultimately it does come down to also personal responsibility. And back to your point of your circles of, um, or what did you call it? The rings of responsibility yeah. is like starting with you yeah. and your family and then moving on from there. Yeah, I know for me, I mean, back on the, the news thing, that was the way it was for social media, for Facebook specifically, is, um, you know, seeing people post all of these negative articles on Facebook and to see like it would change my mood for the day and um, you know there was even talk about how algorithms could impact people's moods where one day you know it's all of the negative news articles and the next day it's all kittens and puppies and funny memes and how you can literally see you can literally alter the mood of a nation or the world through those things and I I had to step back from Facebook literally delete it from my phone um, block it on my computer just so it I, I couldn't allow those external things that weren't relevant to my own personal present existence mm -hmm. to, to impact my mood because I saw how that impacting my mood impacted my own personal emotional health and then that would impact the other people that were closest to me and it just was this negative spiral and so that's where I, I take it back to, you know, first, in order to make the biggest impact, you have to be, you have to take care of your own personal emotional self like you know you you can't bail out a boat if you have a bucket with a bunch of holes in it mm. you can't have much you can't you're not going to be able to help as much um if you haven't helped yourself and i know that sounds super selfish um but i i do believe you know working on yourself first allows you to help the other people it's a ripple effect um you see these people who are so who are these social media social justice warriors online they're just constantly posting negative and they're attacking everyone and everything and you know I, i've seen people that are out there doing that and yet their marriages are falling apart like sure. they're they're so bent on saving the world and, and solving this other injustice yet they haven't dealt with their own personal shit in their own lives and in their own home. Yep. And so to me, I think, you know. But do you think there's some effectiveness in that? Like, well, my personal life is fine, but I have a mission on this planet to save the world or this, this particular issue. Yeah, and I, I well, I, I think a lot of times it actually um, deflects. It helps people, you know, well, don't look at what's happening in my home. Look at all the good that I'm trying to do out in the world mm -hmm. versus actually working on the stuff yourself. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like people who go to, um, you know, do charity work for orphanages 
they go, I'm not saying this as a universal statement or a general statement, but a lot of people go, they go, they help for a week, they build a home and they cost some good. Uh, but they go, they take the picture, they post it on social media so that they feel good themselves. And yet mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of, um, you know, orphan home managers where they say this actually causes more harm to the orphanages than good. And so it's a, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a catch 22. And so again, I think it comes back to us um, really focusing on our own personal emotional wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we take on other things emotionally where we want to help and, and contribute and make an impact, we have to see what can we actually make an impact. And then, you know, cause that's where the guilt comes in. So then if people think, well, why aren't you helping this? Or why aren't you helping that? Well, there's a, literally a million things at any given time that you could be helping. You have to really know yourself, who you are and what you are emotionally capable of actually helping and digging into. And, um, and then you take on the information and you become aware of the issues and then talk about how you could actually bring the most good to the situation. And so um, I think a lot of people, again, coming back to people don't have my perspective, my upbringing, you know, and I don't know what other people's perspective or upbringing is. And so, again, coming back to your own personal responsibility and, and owning stuff that's happening in your own life and then taking action on the things you feel compelled to help with and then not not worrying about what other ex- people's expectations are of what they feel like you should be doing, um, which I know I, I felt quite a bit. I felt, you know, I would feel really bad if people um, were telling me I should help or, hey, can you contribute to this GoFundMe campaign on social media? Well, if I contributed to everybody's social, you know, GoFundMe campaign, I w- I'd have no money myself and <laughs> you know, I can't yeah. help other people if I haven't, yep. you know. And so, yeah, it's 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 a really big... Um, it's important for us to, to take care of our own self and then, then, um, yeah, we, we won't feel as guilty. I don't feel as guilty when I know what I'm supposed to do. If I'm taking care of myself, I'm taking care of us. I'm taking care of the people within my circle. I'm present. I, I, I can't, I can't take on all the information. Yeah. It's just too much. It is too much. And you know, to go back to that GoFundMe example, I remember one of the first times I came to Venice and there's a lot of homeless people and people begging for money. And I felt guilty for telling one person no, but I knew that there were so many others. I mean, I could go on a mile walk and have four or five people beg me and I'm going, I might have, I might have change on me. Like you start to do the lie. You're like, Hey, sorry, I don't have any change or I don't have any money on me, which is not true, but you're going, well, I'm not going to, if I give you a dollar and I give the next person, like pretty soon, I'm going to give away all my money to you people. And I have nothing left for myself. And it kind of is along the same lines of your attention. Maybe it's not money to campaigns, but if you're giving your attention to the environment and to cancer and to childhood obesity and to racism and to um, ocean stuff and to like, there's so many things that you can give your attention to. You literally will run out of, you just don't have it. You will run out of attention for all the things. And I don't think you can, honestly, I don't think you can care. You, you can't care enough about it all. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I have, if I have a close friend who's just diagnosed with cancer, I'm going to be more invested in raising money for her to get treatment and to make sure she's okay than if I find out a friend on Facebook's coworker has cancer. Like, I'll see it and I'm like, I know her, but I don't know her coworker. I may or may not donate because it's a close enough friend, but it's not the person who I know personally. Right. And so I'm going to be more invested in like helping that person get treatment. And yeah, sure, it's sad for my friend's friend, but I don't have a personal relationship with them. And so I do 
I do really think that when it comes back to the, the question of like, how can I feel good when all the stuff is going on? You really have to go, what's in your circle of, of influence and what's in your area of even being able to do anything about that. And not to just shrug your shoulders and go, well, there's a shooting. There's nothing I can do about that. Or, you know, there's pollution. There's nothing I can do about that. There's always things you can do, but it's not your responsibility to take on all the world's problems and shoulder them. You do what you can. You do the best you can with what you can and with the information that you have. And I think the best we can do is listen to each other and try to stop fucking arguing. Like that stuff just kills me because I think a lot of times we can be on the same page and we're fighting for a lot of things that I don't think we need to be fighting over. We can actually have like a discussion over or just choose to not agree, but it's not going to be all peace, love and happiness. Like that's not the real world. And so that's not what I'm saying of, I I had made a comment on somebody's, one of my friends things that said what you focus on grows. Right. And so what they were focusing on and what they're like excited or passionate about was a much bigger deal in their world than it was for me. It was kind of like what you said earlier was my experience during outward bound created my experience of the world and how I saw like trash and all these things magnified. And so her experience of what she was dealing with was completely different than mine. And it was, I can see this, um, this pressure of like, why aren't you seeing it my way? Well, cause I didn't have your experience and I haven't been there. And so I think when you start to focus on, it makes it bigger. So I was focusing on that environmental stuff. So it was so much bigger in my world cause it was all I was focusing on. Right. And so I do believe that we can focus on something and make an issue worse than it is. I think we need to be um, aware to try to see things as they are. And I do believe the news tries to perpetuate fear. I think they try to make it um, more outlandish. I think they they create more of a story. There are things that are a story, that are terrible, that are atrocious. I mean, obviously. But um, we have to be really careful about how we're getting that information. And... um, well, I, I think back on having the, the conversations and debate, I think the tension is good. Yeah. Having two differing perspectives is good. It's healthy, but we need to do it in in a less emotionally charged way. And I know it's really hard because there are so many issues, you know, with social justice, whether it's racism, sexism, abuse, you know, whatever, politics, whatever it is, they all come from hurting, painful places. And so it's hard to have those conversations without them being emotionally driven. But I think the more we can talk to listen versus just talk to be heard uh, makes a huge impact. So I, I do think there does need to be debate. There does need to be conversation. Tension is okay. Uh, peaceful protest is really important. But when you can't have a conversation, that's what makes it um, really, really hard to make any progress in yeah. any good. Uh, just an example, uh, my, my ex-wife and I, when, uh, so she uh, is Dominican, and so she's Afro-Latina, which she comes from the perspective of being raised kind of in an African-American environment and in a Latino environment. And uh, having come from that perspective, we dated and got married before Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. went down. And I feel like sort of in our generation, um, that's where the scab of racism was ripped off. And um, I I even felt the tenor of our relationships start to shift. You know, me being white and she being Dominican. 
um, I, I couldn't say as many things anymore or I couldn't share my perspective or even have a conversation just because of how heated and emotional the conversation had become. And so um, it just easily, it, it, the, the tension started to raise without having a safe environment for people to share their perspectives because mm -hmm. everybody, she had her perspective. You know, she says, um, you know, the, the day after Trump was elected, she's never been more afraid of her life in her life. Um, and I, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was like to be a, a minority white woman in America. Yeah. And so... A minority, not white woman. Dominican yeah. <laughs> woman in America. I didn't know what that was like. Sure. And so um, I... But I had to hear what her perspective was to try to receive it. And then had to share mine. But I didn't feel like I was open or, or able to share my perspective. And... I don't know. It's it's become. I think an that is. Yeah, there does need to be the ability to share. I think there's a difference between opinion and point of view. Yeah, and so a lot of people are making their point of view actually as if it's their opinion or fact. So your point of view is your point of view is as a white. Uh, straight male, my point of view is as a white straight female is going to be a different point of view than a black gay male or Hispanic, right. you know, transgender exactly. person. So like we all have different points of view and unfortunately we're trying to push our point of view as if it's right yeah. or wrong. And it's not right or wrong. It's just that is how we see, that's the lens at which we see things through. Right. And so we want to share our point of view. Unfortunately, what's happening is it's kind of like we're both looking at a, like maybe you're looking from the, from a, airplane down at a building and you're describing what it looks like and you're like okay it's about 14 feet wide and it's this uh length and someone's like no it's 60 feet tall because they're standing on the ground looking straight up at it right. and so you're arguing with each other at the same exact building and you're going no it's this tall and you're like no it doesn't look like that to me because you're looking at it from a completely different perspective mm -hmm. and i think that's where a lot of um tension comes from is instead of arguing facts or discussing facts we're actually just arguing point of view and what happens is a lot of people dismiss someone else's point of view saying no 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 that's not how it is and you're like right. well no you are not a you know whatever I am you're the opposite of me and so my perspective is still my perspective and I think it is super super important to recognize that people have different points of view and mm -hmm. they're raised in a certain culture certain religion certain race certain gender certain sexual orientation and all of those things affect how we show up and so we shouldn't diminish or um, disregard another person's point of view. I think we should always believe them from their point of view. But we don't need to feel guilty or bad because we don't have that experience because that's not our experience. Right. Like you can, um, you can listen to your wife's point of view and say, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know because that's not how... That's not how I saw the world and here's how I saw it. And you guys can share those, those things with each other so you can help understand each other. I think the big issue comes in when we start to make everyone feel like they should have seen it our way. They should, they should have been in our shoes right. and then you should feel guilty about not being that way. And I don't, I just don't think that's fair. I don't think there's any utility in the guilt. I think there is utility in tension. I think there is utility in having conversations, but I don't think guilt gets us anywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't think guilt changes anything. It's true. And it's, I don't think it's as easy as coming back to the conversation of we should celebrate our wins and we should celebrate these things. I think we can acknowledge, you know, because these are bigger issues we're kind of talking about now, but I think we can acknowledge privilege and we can acknowledge um, things like 
things that are happening to us without diminishing them, without justifying them. Um, and at the same time, appreciate, appreciate things for what they are and also recognize that our good fortune isn't taking away s someone else's. Um, the fact that I got pregnant really easily isn't my fault when my friend is having struggles with infertility, right? And so there are certain things that I think we just can't take on. We, we, need, to, we need to be in our own business mm -hmm. and be responsible for our own feelings and our own stuff and not feel bad about not taking on everybody else's pain. Mm -hmm. I think being a support, even like when we say the word holding space, right? I think a big thing is if we're watching the news, we can maybe hold space for people who are going through tragedies without taking on their tragedy mm -hmm. because taking it on is not helping. Mm -hmm. You know, we need like if, if a big uh, like disaster, hurricane, whatever happens again, another hurricane happens, it's not going to help us to be like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. Like they need support. They need people to go in and help clean up instead of being there crying. Like you lost your home. It's like, Hey, let me help you pick up the pieces. Right. We need people who are strong. I think we need people to not take on all of the emotions of everyone else. We need some strength and we need some support. And, um, I think if you can look at it that way, then you can take away the guilt of feeling like things are going well and think, I actually have a place here to be strong and be supportive for the people who can't be yeah. for themselves right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important for us to just be present where we are, be present in our lives, be present in our homes and be present in our communities so that we can, um, yeah, feel good about the impact that we can make. And yes, like you said, acknowledge what's happening in the world, be aware of what's happening in the world, contribute where you can, but you can't feel guilty for not helping everything. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's brought me a lot of peace to, to know that I'm present where I am. I'm, I'm emotionally stable, I'm emotionally happy. And um, I think that's really important. And I'm, I'm worthy of the good that's happening in my life. I'm worthy of that. And that takes a lot of personal work to work through, to come to a place where you actually feel worthy of being in a good place. And when you don't feel good and you don't feel worthy, you start taking that out on other people. Misery loves company. We love to commiserate with, with, the, with people. And it doesn't help. Commiserating doesn't help. Um, but I think uh, being in, in a good, healthy, emotional state ourselves, dealing with our own personal shit, um, yeah, it's, it just makes starting, you know, with us, the impact we make starting with me is going to make a bigger impact than, yeah. On the commiserating doesn't help. I remember Dr. Wayne Dyer was one of my favorite mentors. He said, you can't be sick enough to make a sick person well. Mm. And it is interesting where we just want to take on that. It's just like, okay, you're sick. Me getting sick isn't going to help us both get better. It's just now, now we got two sick people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not helping. And, uh, uh, you know, I used to work with, um, some mentors, some millionaire mentors, and I had a lot of, um, just disdain for people with money. Um, right. I felt people with money, if they were wealthy, they were snobs. They somehow were taking more of their fair share and things like that. And I met these, these millionaire mentors who were saying things like what you said, like I'm worthy of this. And not only that is the more money I make, the more I can help the and the impact. more I can the more good that I can do. Exactly. And so if I happen to have a great business idea or happen to have more influence, like whatever I'm given, I need to be able to take those gifts and share them. And so I think with great wealth, with great influence comes great responsibility, right. but we shouldn't be pushing those things away because we feel bad because we're taking from someone else. Right. 
So anyway, I really love the conversation and I loved the comments on the Instagram post that I made. It was on my personal page on dannyj.com. Um, I would love to keep this conversation going. If this sparked anything for you guys in our private Facebook group at thebestlifepodcast.com, um, I know there were some things that maybe are triggering and, and, um, you know, I think that those should definitely be looked at. You know, if anything we said that was triggering or you feel like you disagree, I would love to hear it. Or if you do agree, I'd love to hear all of it. I like to have continued conversation here. And, um, yeah, thank you, Jeff, for your perspective. I don't think this would be as good of a talk if I was just monologuing. I felt like this was needed to be a discussion. So I appreciate your Appreciate your point of view. Thank you. But <laughs> thank you for listening. And um, we really love you guys. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. And please share this episode if you felt it was share worthy or you think somebody would like to hear it. And we'll see you on the next episode.